0: Okay, we're looking at grace today, the gift of grace. So we want to turn to page 97 and hold the page. The Apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians while in Macedonia around AD 56 about four years after his first visit to Corinth, as we see recorded in the book of Acts chapter 18. While 1 Corinthians had been written to correct a variety of erroneous beliefs and practices within the Corinthian church, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians primarily to defend himself against charges raised by false teachers in Corinth who claimed he was not a true apostle and could not be trusted. Okay, so that gives us a backdrop on what we're going to be looking at today in terms of the verses that we'll be uh, focusing on. So the first question we have, question number one on page 97. If you could have a lifetime supply of any product, what would you choose? Water. Darius says is water.
1: Staff of life.
0: Anybody else? A lifetime you know sometimes people win these contests and they get a lifetime lifetime supply of stuff?
1: If that happened to you,
0: what product would you choose?
1: Hmm? Health. Huh? (laughs) Health. A product. Product. A product. product. Uh,
0: (laughs) 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 Mm? Coffee. (laughs) Coffee. You're a coffee drinker, okay? Coffee. coffee. Anybody else? Milk? All right. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life. (laughs) Page 98. So Solomon had a choice to Solomon had a choice to Yeah, yeah, Solomon made a good choice. Okay, let's have someone read uh, Bible Meets Life.
2: Can we have too much of a good thing? The answer is yes, if we're talking about
1: ice cream and <laughs>
2: But there's one thing all of us could use in an endless supply grace. An unlimited supply of grace is available and fully accessible. We're just not always aware of it. When our lives are going well, we often rest in those things that appear to make life great. But when the circumstances of life knock those crops out from under us, what's left? Grace, grace is there. God's grace was always there, but we become more acutely aware of it. No one accidentally stumbles onto the grace of God when they're wall- wallowing in success and wealth. <laughs> Rather, it's precisely when we're down and out, or at the end of our rope, that we're in the position to understand and experience the grace of God. The life of the Apostle Paul exemplifies this awareness of grace. He faced numerous, numerous challenges and hard times, but he found great strength in the grace God poured out on him.
0: Okay, so what's the what? point? God's grace Grace
3: allows me to face anything life throws at me.
0: And anything means anything, Anything. right? But some people, don't mean anything. It means something that they think they can handle with with God's help. Okay, but uh, God's grace allows us to face anything that God throws at me. So we want to remember that. Uh, Because sometimes when we we get so overwhelmed, we tend to forget about God's grace, Mm -hmm. don't we? Oh, yeah. We usually do. Okay, let's look at the first paragraph, first passage we have uh, on page 99. uh, um, 2 Corinthians 12, verses
3: 2 to 7a. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, was caught up into a paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because i would be telling the truth but i will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me especially because of the extraordinary revelations
0: okay so we see a couple of things uh in that passage that uh speak of paul's motivation uh in verses two and three uh paul spent much of Second Corinthians encouraging the Corinthian believers and defending his ministry. Then, because of the Corinthians because the Corinthians seemed so enamored by the boasting of false teachers, Paul reluctantly borrowed a page from the false teachers playbook. Rather than boast about his success and accomplishments, however, Paul focused on what? What do we focus on? His hardships. Isn't that what read in that passage? Focus on his hardships and sufferings, not on his successes. Normally people would focus and brag about their successes. Paul says, I'm going to borrow a page from your playbook, but I'm going to do the opposite of what you would do. And so he focused on his hardships and his sufferings. Then he continued to share further boasting about his weakness and what he had learned from an overwhelming experience with the Lord many many years before. Paul began by referring to an unnamed person. He says, I know a man in Christ. Who do you think he's talking about? Himself. Of course. Obviously Paul was writing about himself in the third person. And so this is Paul's humble way of moving away from the self-centered boasting that the Corinthian believers had heard so many times from so many false teachers. Paul was caught up, he says, to the third heaven. Paul was caught up indicates that it was an act of God and not of his own doing. And so God took him to a certain place not something Paul initiated or pursued on his own. It was something primarily and specifically that God chose to do at his appointed time and in his own way. Scripture doesn't mention elsewhere anything about different levels of heaven. Thus we must understand the third heaven simply as a place in heaven beyond our known universe. We don't know where that is but it's somewhere out there. (laughs) Wherever this is, it's a place beyond this earth and the heavens of our atmosphere. It refers to the dwelling place of God and his saints. Paul noted that this experience had occurred 14 years prior. The New Testament gives us no other record of this event. Only Paul's mention of it right here in this passage. Paul did not know if he was physically taken up to heaven or if it was some sort of vision. He says, I don't know that. Only God one knows. Only God knew the full extent of what really happened. All Paul knew is that he had this experience. So, look at the second question there on page 99 how would you summarize Paul's experience in these verses? Humble. Humble, okay. Excited. Excited?
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Grateful. Grateful? Faithful. Faithful,
3: okay. Self decreased. Hmm? Self
0: decreased. Okay, self decreased. Anybody else?
1: He experienced the grace of God, even in his trials and his problems.
0: Okay. It was an experience of God's grace in his trials and his troubles. Okay. Let's look at the paragraphs that beneath those verses that we just read.
3: When was the last time you experienced a genuine sense of lasting joy in Christ rather than a fleeting moment of happiness? When was the last time you found yourself full of gratitude? God asked you for anything in prayer but rather spending the whole time in thanksgiving and praise. Where was the last time you sang out with the psalmist? My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me bless his holy name. 103 verse 1. Rather than God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 51 verse 10. Without God's grace, we would never know such joy, gratitude, or praise. Without God's grace, we would not be able to experience true and lasting joy in Christ. We would instead be endlessly seeking the next through to our own divines. Without God's grace, greed, without God's grace, greed would fill our hearts, causing us to take from others rather than giving out of our fullness in Christ. Lastly, without God's grace, we would, be, we, would, we would be perpetually looking for ways to appease our guilt and remedy and remedy our stained conscience, rather than rejoice and express in gratitude because Jesus said, It is finished. John 19.30 okay, Next page. Without God's grace, Paul would not have experienced the visions and revelations he describes in 2 Corinthians 12. During this time, Paul's teachers were trying to convince the Corinthian church to follow them based on their own claimed visions and revelations of the Lord. See 2 Corinthians 11, 4 to
0: 14. Okay, let's look at those verses before we read on. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 4 to 14.
4: For if he who comes preaches another <laughs> Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted, because I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia why because i do not love you god knows but what i do i will also continue to do that i may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of christ and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light.
0: Okay, continue reading this area.
4: Paul responded by sharing
3: his own experience with visions and revelations. He refused to boast about his incredible experience, the great honor and blessing he received from God. In fact, he even spoke about those experiences in the third person, as though he were talking about someone else. Paul chose Paul not to elaborate on what he heard. It was a private moment between himself and the Lord. In doing so, Paul demonstrated to the Corinthian church that experiences like these are not prescriptive for all believers. This was a unique event that others should not expect to experience before God can use them for ministry. Certainly, we should rejoice in any mountaintop moments those times when we feel especially drawn into the presence of God. But God's grace also comes to us in other ways. In fact, as we'll see in the next section, it may be more typical to experience God's grace through difficulty and hardship.
0: Okay. I noticed a third paragraph there. It says, and uh, we can identify with this, with this. Certainly we should rejoice in any mountaintop moments. We do that, don't we? Of course. Whenever those mountaintop uh, experiences come, you're shouting from the rooftops, aren't we? Okay, those times when we feel especially drawn into God's presence, it's those times when we, when we get that assurance that we know that God has been with us, <laughs> right? Yes. But God's grace also comes to us in other ways. Mm-hmm. It goes on to say, in fact, as we'll see in the next section, it may be more typical to experience God's grace through difficulty and hardship. Alright? right? And that's one of the things that we want to focus on, the difficulty and the hardship that we have in our lives when we really focus on God's grace. Okay, let's look at the other passage of Scripture that we have. uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, 7b uh, to verse 8 on page 100
5: therefore so that I would not exalt myself but the one in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to torment me so I would not exalt myself concerning this I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would not leave me that it would leave me Probably.
0: okay all right stop right there Uh, Notice we have uh, some definitions there in that verse that we read, that we read already, Uh, especially in verse 7. Well, in verse 2 that we read, we saw that phrase, the third heaven. And uh, we don't see that uh, phrase mentioned anywhere else in Scripture about the different levels of heaven. But that particular verse uh, brings to our attention that there are Levels in heaven, so there we must understand simply as a place in heaven beyond our known universe. Okay, and the Bible speaks about the heavens. The Bible makes uh, references about the heavens, and so this is one of those those references that gives us some indication that there is more than one heaven. We know there's an atmospheric heaven uh, that we see when we look up into the sky, and then we know there's a there's a there's space. That's another part of heaven. But then this part talks about the third heaven, uh, which is uh, beyond space. uh, The abode of God, as the scripture calls it, uh, that we cannot see. So we have a reference here about uh, various heavens. And then uh, revelations is another uh, reference we have. The Greek term means disclosure, and the New Testament uses typically refers to revelation or disclosure of some truth that uh, God uh, wants to reveal. And then, and and also in verse 7, we have that phrase, a thorn in the flesh, okay, describes an affliction of an uncertain nature that God allows, there's not someone beating up on you, God allows it, and God allowed Paul to experience this, uh, why, according to the verse why did god allow paul to experience this according to the verse we just read
3: so he, exalt
0: himself. Hmm? so he could be humble so he won't become proud mm-hmm. okay uh because of what you know he could have become proud because of these heavenly visions that we read about first passage you know he said i was caught up in the third heaven i he was talking to people and he was telling me he's caught up in the third heaven you know with was. Uh, whatever, but he could have become proud because of that experience Uh, you know, God blessed him to the point where he could have that experience, so he could have boasted about that and become proud of that, and so this is what he is saying, Uh, God gave him a thorn in the flesh uh, so that he would not become proud due to the heavenly visions that he had experienced and then we we saw another phrase, another phrase a messenger of Satan. What do you think that is? Hmm. Messenger of Satan.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Hmm.
0: Well it's parallel to the zone of the flesh. Zone in the flesh. The term indicates that Satan is the chief adversary of God. Yes. We know that right? He wanted to be he wanted to be God. Yes. Right? So he he became the chief adversary of God when he rebelled And uh, he was the immediate cause of Paul's affliction, affliction. Uh, And he is described as a messenger, similar to the thorn in the flesh. And so God was allowing Paul, remember Job? Job had a similar experience. God allowed Satan to, to afflict Job. And so Paul is now finding himself in that similar situation. Question number three. Why is pride such a powerful and dangerous temptation to followers of Christ? It's powerful and it's dangerous.
1: You can do it all by
5: yourself, you don't need God. Mm-hmm. You could be like, um, I can do
0: all of these
1: things myself, I don't need God. So.
0: Okay, self-sufficiency yeah. or independence of God, okay. Of hmm? Or thinking only of yourself. Only of yourself. So okay. It
3: stops us from following God's divine plan for our lives, because if we think that we can do it all by ourselves, but He has destined for us,
0: we will miss it. Okay. Anybody yeah. else?
3: i thinking that we are bag of chips. All that in the bag of chips. All that in the bag of chips. Gives us an air of superiority.
0: What does the Bible say about God's attitude toward pride? He hates it. He hates it, it, (laughs) all right? And so that makes it a powerful and dangerous temptation Mm -hmm. for the followers of Christ because it's something that God hates. You don't want to have anything to do. You don't want to have any part in anything to do with anything that God hates, Mm -hmm. all right? And that's why it's so powerful and it's so dangerous. And it's It's one of those... It's one of
1: the biggest things that cause a downfall. Of Christians, pastors, uh, you know, mm-hmm. people of God, is in the of
0: pride.
1: Mm-hmm. In
0: exactly. And it happens all the time. Let's look at that activity on uh, good, bad, pride uh, on page 101. I am mm-hmm.
3: huh? oh, yeah. mm-hmm. difficult time. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, let's look at that before we go on. Uh uh, pride can be both helpful and harmful in our lives. Use the space below to describe both facets of pride in ways that are that's comfortable for you. Sketch a picture, make a list, add adjective, give an example, and whatever, so on. Mm-hmm. Alright? Some examples of bad pride.
1: Stop. You think
0: huh. you did it? You, huh? Scornful, scornful. You think you did it? You
5: think that The a result of you something happened? Is all you're you doing? Got the glory. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Any other examples of bad bride? I'm better than everybody. You better than everybody else? Okay. Superior. Superior. Okay. Proud. Proud. Yeah. Bold. Okay. What about good bride?
1: Okay. What?
0: Okay, humble, thankful. thankful, give
1: God the glory.
0: Giving God the glory. Use okay,
5: to show somebody else that God did something good for you, and you're proud of that, and to use it as an example to give God the glory and the praise.
0: Okay, using an experience uh, uh, as an example I give to give
5: Him the glory, though not saying I caused it or I did it myself. No. I didn't, you know, I. You give the glory to God.
0: All okay. To God. All right. Anybody else? How does following Jesus help you reject the harmful aspects of pride?
3: Appreciating the little things of life. Being appreciative. Appreciating who
5: caused it Okay. Not giving yourself the glory of it.
0: Okay. Not taking the glory.
3: Basically, let self-decrease.
0: mm mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that verse that we just read.
3: We didn't say what Max Masato said.
0: Max Lucado, has the yes. statement there, right? Yes. What does it say?
3: Grace is God as heart surgeon, cracking open your chest, removing your heart. Poison as it is, with pride and pain, and replacing placing it with his own.
0: Powerful statement. Yes, it yes. is. Quite visual, right? Very visual.
1: It's giving
0: you a new heart. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs>
0: now, when is a poison's, uh, what is this cracked open?
3: Cracked
0: open? Is this what is it cracked open?
3: Cracking open
0: your chest. When is a poison chest cracked open?
3: And they were uh, um, surgery heart yeah. Right, when
0: they're having surgery, yes. right? Or mm-hmm. uh, when they're doing an autopsy, mm-hmm. when you're dead. Well, okay, those are the only times. Time. So it gives us a graphic picture of what God, uh, what God has done mm-hmm. uh, with regards to our hearts. Okay, let's read the, the paragraphs there on page one hundred.
5: Pride is a tricky matter. The Merriam-Webster dictionary defines pride both as a feeling that you respect yourself and deserve to be respected by others and a feeling that you are more important or better than others. The former is a positive while the latter is both negative and toxic, especially in the context of relationships. (coughs) So how can we keep ourselves from landing on the wrong side of pride? How can we prevent pride from overtaking our hearts and infiltrating our souls in a negative way? For Paul, God used a thorn in the flesh, which he also called a messenger of Satan. Paul gave us no more details regarding this sharp, painful, and persistent issue in his life. The thorn would have been his adversaries or the persecution he endured. But most scholars believe it was some type of physical condition, something ranging from eye or ear problems to malaria. We just don't know. Whatever it was, the thorn was a hardship in, to his ministry. At time. At times, see
3: Galatians 4, 13 and 14.
0: Okay, let's look at those two verses in Galatians.
3: You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first, and my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus.
0: Okay, so we see you mentioning that in Galatians. Continue reading.
3: So whatever
5: it was, this one of a hardship to the ministry of time, yet it also kept. Paul humbled before God. Therefore, Paul's thorn in the flesh brought good into his life. This is hard to realize when the ground is falling out from underneath you. When you're downsized five years away from retirement or your children rebel or your furnace and hot water, Peter break down in the same month. It is difficult to see how God is going to use this for his good. But he
0: does. He always does. see Romans 8:28. Okay, what does Romans 8:28 say?
1: Romans says,
0: "Okay, that's a that's the way we like, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all things
2: work, all things work together for good. good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose."
0: Do you remember that when the car broke down? No. Uh, Remember that sentence. <laughs> in the heat of birth? <laughs> no. It's important to
5: in the Word. Like Sister Brand always says, at least maybe if you're in the Word, you can recall all these things from memory. With your flesh. when you need it. With your okay. flesh.
0: Alright, so God always does. Okay, continue reading.
5: He always does. You might not see the results immediately, but God, in His providence and sovereignty, Will strengthen you through these hardships. He walks with us and (laughs)
1: cockles
3: us. That's grace. That's
1: (laughs) (laughs) grace.
5: God allows us to go through hardship because He has a plan and wants to do something in our lives. He wants to remove the pride from our hearts and replace it with His love, mercy, and goodness. So when you go through hardship, humble yourself before God and pay attention to what he's doing in the midst of your hardship. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so look at that. that last paragraph. is something to take note of. It says, God does what? Allows, Allows or permits. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's out of God's control. But further, remember, it mentions of God's providence and sovereignty. Okay, so God allows us to go through hardships because it is what? He has a plan. Because he has a plan. Remember that God has a plan, and that plan may not fit in with your plans. Oh, no. All right? God has a plan, and he wants to do something in our lives. The only problem with that is we want God to tell us what the something is. (laughs) That's the problem. And if God doesn't tell us, that, we don't comply, yeah. All right? And that creates a bigger problem because that brings in the equation of disobedience. And we know what God, how God deals with disobedience, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, All yeah. right. He wants to remove the pride from our hearts and replace it with what? It's love, mercy, and goodness. Okay. Love, mercy, and goodness. So, what do we do? When you go through hardships, humble yourself, humble yourself, before, yourself God. before God. And do what? Pay attention. Pay attention. attention. Sometimes we allow the hardship or difficulty to overwhelm us so much that we can't pay attention. We can't God. focus. Know. All right?
1: know.
0: Be still a no mm-hmm. thought. Okay? Attention. Allow God to do what He has planned to do. Yes. I don't throw a monkey wrench
1: mm-hmm.
0: in God's plans. Pay attention to what he's doing. Okay, when Paul, when a man like Paul prays fervently for relief, we would expect God to honor that request. That's why verses 9 to 10 are so surprising. So let's look at verses 9 to 10. But he said to me, My grace
3: is sufficient for you, my power is perfected in meekness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong.
0: Okay, question number four. What are some appropriate ways to respond when God says no to our prayers? Patience. Mm-hmm. Patience. Okay. What else? Some appropriate ways. Patience is a good one. Mm-hmm. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Okay. Keep
5: praying that the plan is revealed.
0: Okay. Be persistent in prayer. He see
5: the end, but he knows the end.
0: Okay. What did Jesus say about prayer? Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Okay. So persistence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else? So when Daniel
1: prayed?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so when Daniel prayed and uh, mm-hmm. um, the bread didn't go through, because uh, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. all right, but he continued.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so the key there then is persistence, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's not for our hmm? It's not for our good. Okay. Our
0: okay. Let's look at the paragraphs there beneath that verse.
3: We have a natural aversion to pain, yet pain can actually be a good thing. Yes, pain hurts, but it's also a signal that our bodies are functioning properly on a physical level. On a spiritual level, pain can also throw us into the arms of God. When we experience the pain of hardship, whether it was our fault or not, we discover that God never leaves us. See Hebrews 13:5.
0: Okay, let's read that verse. Hebrews 13:5.
3: Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee,
0: nor forsake thee. Okay, the assurance of God's presence. Read on.
3: In fact, God often uses the pain of hardship to get our attention and reveal his grace and presence to us. After all, when Paul turned to God and pleaded for him to remove the thorn in the flesh, the Lord responded, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. God's grace is always sufficient. When you go through hardship, the same grace that was the Jesus, see Luke 2 and 4, 2 and
0: 40. 240. Let's look at that verse.
3: And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Okay. Right. Is with you. Since grace and truth come through. Since grace and truth come through Christ, see John one and seventeen.
0: What does John one and seventeen say?
3: For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came King by Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Okay,
0: so we see why we look to Jesus, right? Yes. Read on.
3: You are saved through the grace of Jesus, and his grace is able to build you up in any and every situation. As a result, instead of boasting in your strengths, it's actually more advantageous to boast in your weaknesses. Paul came to this conclusion so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is not false humility, as when a person says, "My greatest weak," as I, as when a person says, "My greatest weakness is that I care too much." Rather, this passage is actually is actually exporting you to accept hardships when they come because God wants to shape you through them and use the difficulties to make you strong in Him. In other words, through God's help that comes by His grace, He will give you the strength to endure anything. Don't ignore the power of such an incredible gift.
0: Okay. Couple of main points. Uh, that we can take from that passage uh, that would be advantageous to us. The first one is we have a natural aversion to pain, don't we? Whenever pain shows up, it gets our attention right away. It tells us that something is wrong, something needs to be fixed. Yet pain can actually be a good thing. It sends us to the doctor, don't it? If you didn't have that pain, you wouldn't run to the doctor. So that's a good thing. The second thing is grace is always sufficient. When you go through hardships, the same grace that was with Jesus is with you, since grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. And the key there is God's grace is always enough. It's always sufficient. Never more, never less, it's exactly right. Ever um, uh, use a, a, a recipe and you use a little bit more than the recipe called for and it did, whatever it is it didn't turn out the way you're supposed to?
1: Yeah.
0: Or you use less and it didn't have the same results? Well, God's grace is always just right, just enough. God knows exactly how to deal with us. And then the third thing uh, we noticed, uh, point we noticed, is as a result, instead of boasting of your strengths, it's actually more advantageous to boast in your weaknesses, as Paul did. Paul came to this conclusion, so that Christ's power may reside in me. He says, so I take pleasure in weaknesses. He says, I take pleasure in insults. I take pleasure in hardships. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in difficulties. For what? For who? The sake of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong." Okay, so it's quite interesting uh, how Paul responds to the difficulties, the hardships, and the challenges in his life. Question number five, final question. What does it actually look like to delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and difficulties?
5: Maybe you still smiling, hmm? you still smiling, you're not looking to it, maybe.
0: Okay, nobody on the outside knows exactly what's going on on the inside. <laughs> Okay.
5: But sometimes people are like they look miserable and they're mm-hmm. and so you know something is going on. But if you're delighting and you you're maybe you're still upbeat and positive and stuff, well, although you go into something.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. anybody else? What does it actually look like?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: No, no. No bitterness and complaints, okay, good, okay, the point, God's grace always allows me to face anything life throws at me, that's the point, and Paul, Paul demonstrated that point. Okay, let's look at how we now go forth and apply this uh, if we are to encounter a situation during the course of this week. Page 104, how will the reality of God's grace impact your actions and attitudes this week? Consider the following suggestions. Give thanks for grace. Identify a hardship you're currently experiencing. Thank God for his presence in the midst of your trouble and asking for strength to move forward. And then secondly, search for grace. Think back to previous hardships you have endured. Make a list of the different ways God demonstrated his grace in those times. And then thirdly, share grace. Pray for an opportunity to serve as an instrument of God's grace in someone's life this week. Ask God to use you as a way of showering his grace on those around you. Okay, so we got our marching orders there for the course of the coming week. Give thanks, search for grace, and share grace. Too much of a good thing? Not with God. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace will allow you to face anything and everything that life throws at you. So walk with what? Confidence. Confidence. Amen.